Hello everyone, we hope you're having a great day. My name is Bobby Katagola, and I am joined by my co-host and friend, Parsha Kasuri. Welcome back to our podcast, Growth Spurt, the best podcast you'll find on the internet about everything and anything, from public policy all the way to cellular physiology. It's starting. So yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, before we begin, I sort of just wanted to introduce you to our audience. Uh, would you be willing to maybe go through your background and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I'm a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher. And so I, I work with groups. I work with a diverse uh, communities um, just all over globally, pretty much. And um, let me tell you maybe what you'll be interested in knowing is a little bit of my experience with mindfulness. How did I get started? And by the way, I just um, I'm very taken by by your initiative with mindfulness because it, you know the sooner we start, the more benefits we're going to get in our life. So, um, it, and that's not to say that we can't start at any age, but just like with everything else, if the younger you are, the easier it'll be and the more that you'll be able to um, reap the benefits from it. So um, I started also when I was pretty much in high school, I started meditating when I was in high school and then um, and then I ran into mindfulness a little later in life when I was already on my first job and still getting quite a bit burned out by, I was an engineer in my previous life, I'd like to say, and it was very demanding and so, um, so mindfulness really was a way for me to um, become more aware of myself and just being able to take care of myself better. Meditation was um, always one of my main um, main practices for well for wellness. Really, meditation and yoga is what how I started. And then um, when I took it, my first mindfulness based stress mindfulness based stress reduction class, this is when I was able to really um, take it to the next level. So, to really apply it in my daily life, to really um, practice more informally, which was when I was out and about, which is I think something that you might be interested in hearing a little more about as you know life gets busy. So, yeah, that was yeah. a long answer, but. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. I think, um, again, I think me and Bavik both start, have been starting on our uh, mindfulness journey and seeing our own benefits. That's why we're so eager to talk to someone more experienced to kind of um, kind of educate the other people our age about it. But I think one thing about meditation and mindfulness in general is there's such a vast amount of practices and things you can do to start that it can sometimes be overwhelming. And you said that you started early. How did you navigate this process? And then later in life, when um, you got busy with work, how did you continue to navigate that? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for asking that. Um, so for me, it was um, I started in, again, early high school, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty much. And it was um it, it was challenging in the way that when at least at that age it wasn't a priority for me to do the formal sittings you know the 20 minutes 25 minutes a half hour um it was life just got really busy anyway whether it was you know friends or studying you know um just trying to make it through school and so I started to realize really early on that meditation was allowing my mind to become calmer um, and that the thoughts weren't as impactful anymore. 
And this allowed me to actually work on my concentration with school. So instead of the normal distractions that one we might have it regular in life, with meditation, I was able to kind of just tune into um, as simple as my breath. You know, that point, I just mainly did um, body scans, which is awareness of body and, and breath awareness. And I was noticing that every time I started my day in this way, the day would just go smoother. You know, I was more present. Um, life wasn't as overwhelming. Even schoolwork didn't seem as 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 hard as it could be. So my mind wasn't creating stories so much around all the different things. Um, and then of course, life took me in different paths and I would, you know, go and practice really well for a while. And then I just kind of got busy and I would stop. So it was back and forth at the beginning quite a bit. And, and there's a certain kindness with that too, the understanding that that's just what happens. And as long as we get back, you know, back on track again, then we can actually um, still start over and continue on and rip the benefits. So as an engineer, same thing, um, very demanding, very stressful jobs um, that I was holding. And um, again, the practice was that solid anchor, you know, that solid anchor that would allow me to just tune in to myself, be more aware of maybe how I was uh, reacting to things you know, the busyness, the stress, and find ways that were actually more um, more suitable for me, find ways to navigate these things that were more helpful instead of the regular coping mechanisms that, you know, that I could see myself having, such as sometimes, you know, sugar, or even it could be drinking or whatever it was. I was able to notice these things and go, oh, okay, this is what's happening right now. I'm stressed. What can I do about it? So that's mainly what it is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting, especially because it's like a different take on like, sort of like the problem solution uh, sort of thing that like all of us strive for. Um, and so I just wanted to ask you, because mindfulness is such a new thing to so many kids out there, um, what are some simple techniques that someone could implement into their daily life uh, to reap the benefits of mindfulness? Yeah, um, so it could be as simple really as, sitting down and feeling your body, maybe your feet on the ground, you know, something that I really encourage people to do is to really tune into their bodies as a way of um, grounding themselves as a way of coming to the present and mindfulness really is about being in the present. So it's paying attention to the present moment. And with that, there is an aspect of judgment that comes in, you know, every time we pay attention is what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> when I'm doing good, I'm good at this, I'm bad at this, I can't believe this happened, I don't like this. So there's always judgment that the mind is gonna, is gonna kind of um, provide. And that's because it's survival and it's absolutely normal and natural. The idea is just to notice it, notice that there's judgment and really come back to sensation. So I would encourage people to maybe even, you know, take your shoes off once in a while and go and, and, and feel the grass outside, feel the, you know, the dirt, feel contact with the earth. Another thing that could be really simple, and these are all informal practices. So there's a difference between formal, which means I'm going to sit and pay attention to my breath for 20 to 25 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is, it could be five minutes even. This is a formal practice. Um, and that could be just sitting, watching the breath, watching the body, noticing, oh, okay, I'm sitting here, what am I feeling, right? And um, and then 
the informal practice will be just daily. Take your shoes off, take a walk, feel your feet on the ground, notice the breeze in your face, feel the sun, you know, kissing your skin, um, feel the clothing in your body. These are all ways to come back to the moment and they're really simple. And as part of formal, as I was saying, you know, it is really the formal practice that is gonna train the mind to come back so that that informal can carry us over. So it's also really important to just take some time, even if it's in the morning, you're something that I really recommend is in the morning as you open your eyes, right in the morning, your alarm goes off, you open your eyes, sense your body, notice how you're lying, you know, feel the pillow, feel the mattress, feel the, the sheets, feel, just feel whatever contact the skin has with your clothing. You know, is it warm, is, is there temperature, is it cold? Just noticing that could be really helpful too. And that would actually um, allow for the day to unfold really differently because now you're present, making as soon as you wake up, you're saying to your mind, okay, I'm I'm watching, I'm here, I'm aware. So um does that does that help at all? Is that yeah. yeah? Um I really liked how you distinguish between informal and formal because I think as a newcomer, starting off with formal can be very frustrating and hard because as we're constantly in this digital age, everything we do is go, 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 or like look at something. And when you sit down and meditate for the first time, it's incredibly hard. Your mind goes to all different places by um, instead of just sitting still. But compare that to simply going out for a walk and, or even just touching grass with your feet. I think it's a lot easier to transition from a state of like erratic behavior to calmness then than sitting down formally and then training your mind. But I feel like the benefits from training your mind are able to um, continue to linger longer. So off of that, I wanted to know, do you have any tips for sticking to a routine of mindfulness? Because I think that's an issue doing it once you may feel, I feel great after, but like most things that are good for you after a while, you get out of the habit. So do you have any tips on how to continue with that habit? Yeah, it, you're making some great points here. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them being that, you know, the, the, the sitting, it can be overwhelming. The moment we are quiet, the mind, we notice how distracted our mind is and the thousand things that we could be doing. And um, so one tip for that would be to just notice that there is distraction. And so it really the idea of not resisting what's happening is really, really important here. That if there's a lot of busyness, we just notice that there's a lot of busyness. And then um, and then as, as you mentioned, you know, maybe the going for a walk and just noticing what's, you know, what's out there could be really helpful, even before you come in and do the formal. So if, if you know, if you notice a lot of um, tension and a lot of distraction. Um, just even noticing, okay, maybe I'll go for a walk first and then I'll come back and sit. So some of these challenges, yeah, do take you away from, you know, the practice sometimes because it just seems like I don't have the time to do this right now. There's a million other things that are more important. We don't value it until we start reaping benefits. That's how it is for just normal for everybody, you know, and, and so the idea is just to meet really, um, do what works for you. So if you're a structured person that um, sticks to a, a, a calendar and a routine, add it as part of your routine, you know, say from this time to this time is meditation. Maybe you have a break and, you know, in between classes, I'm going to just sit for five minutes here under a tree or whatever it is. 
just put it in your schedule if that works. And if you're a more of a spur of the moment kind of person, just have the commitment during the day to sit for at least five minutes and really go to what is feasible for you. You know, uh, many times we just we just sometimes set um, set goals that are a little too much for the moment. You know, I'm, I'm just going to sit for 45 minutes to an hour every day. You know, maybe you are the kind of person that that really works for you, but maybe you are the kind of person that you just need to keep it a little more flexible. And I'll just sit for five minutes to start. And if you can do more, do more. One thing that I highly encourage is take a program, take an intensive, you know, whether it's MBSR eight weeks or, uh, you know, mindfulness performance eight weeks or any other class that will be a program, a structural program that would allow you to create that habit. Because in these programs, you pretty much have to meditate and do certain number of meditations throughout the program. So that allows you to create that routine and habit in the mind that, okay, I'm seeing now after four or five weeks, the, the, the benefits, I want to continue this. And now I have a routine because I've been doing it all this time. So that's, that's always very encouraging and very important to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, I think you made a great point saying that we don't really appreciate anything until we reap the actual benefits. Um, and so for our audience out there that aren't really familiar with mindfulness and how it could be, um, I guess, uh, like beneficial for us in like our unique ways, are there some like explicit benefits that you personally experienced um, after implementing mindfulness into your daily life? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question. Absolutely. So, um, one of the benefits I personally have experienced from just practicing all these years um, and that I really started seeing very early on and is the reason that I continued was that um, when I, I would meditate in the mornings and this is at the very beginning or, you know, I took the time to be present, whether it was sitting with my breath for five minutes or noticing, you know, my body for about five to 10, just my feet on the ground sensing you know coolness or warmth whatever it was I noticed that my entire day I was more present and I was less reactive that means that if there was something that upset me I was I had I, I was able to pause and this is a great thing to actually have that we're able to pause before reacting before you know this could help us later in life, incredibly, you know, when we're at a job and something is, is upsetting, you know, we don't go and just storm into a thousand emails, right? But we can actually stop and, and our mind would just take that break for us because we've been training. So this practice, we practice really from when times get hard. It seems like when life is easy, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to practice. Well, you know, life is great, but really we're training our mind for when, when stress, you know, gets really difficult and really bad. And now we have something to fall back in. So for me, it was really the recognition of, um, wow, this is upsetting maybe, but I don't have to respond right now. I can take maybe a couple of breaths and then see what's the best way to approach this situation. So it really it really helps to control impulse. You know, we, we're less impulsive, less likely to just react to the moment. And another, well, I think one of, for me, um, just the greatest benefit of mindfulness is being uh, emotional resilience. How quickly are we able to bounce back? You know, if something upset us, whether it's a conversation with someone, uh, maybe a, a friend that says something, you know, usually the mind will keep playing it back. 
you know, it'll, it'll just continue to kind of uh, bring it up over and over. And that triggers all these emotions that we felt when we were having this argument, this conversation or this event happened. Well, what happens with emotional resilience is we're able to bounce right back. So we notice this, we experience it, but then we recover a lot quickly. This is what emotional resilience is, to be able to come right back and recover ourselves quicker than if we didn't have anything. So that, so we're not dragged into this, you know, I would say um, time of dreading what happened over and over and the thousand ways we could have done things differently. And then we get really hard on ourselves and, and it can be really, really overwhelming. So at this point, we kind of just notice and we're like, well, that's what happened. We feel it. We experience it, and then we're able to bounce back and find a way to move forward. So that's really important to me, and one of the major benefits, really, of mindfulness. I really like how you said that um, it controls your impulses, and it's for when the times get tough. Because so often, when times get tough, people turn to things that are even more detrimental to them that end up um, causing more problems in their life, and you saying that meditation serves as that backbone that when times get tough, you have something to realize it's not as bad as it seems and it's only happening right now. And there is, uh, as long as you keep your time in the present, um, wondering about the past or worrying about the future um, becomes irrelevant. You need to focus on the present. And I think that's so important for especially high schoolers who have so many things to worry about in the future and so many deadlines to me and just understanding that um, what's it, the only thing that is in control is the present. So rather than um, worrying about the future, just focusing on the present through meditation is the best way you can reap benefits. And through that, I wanted to kind of talk about the connection between meditation or mindfulness and mental health, because I feel like a lot of mental health problems in um, especially young teenagers and older adults is um, come from dreading the future or being unsure about the future or trauma from the past, for example, how do you think meditation can help relieve some of those mental health problems or maybe alleviate them completely? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm so glad you're um, touching upon that because, you know, it was, so meditation and mindfulness meditation in particular we just, you know, the, the the true definition is that there's an awareness that emerges from being in the moment, right? So what happens is um, when it becomes helpful, I would say, is in the fact that we are able to be so aware of ourselves that we're noticing what's happening. For instance, when we're when the mind is ruminating into, into the future or the past, ruminating, you know, into what happened yesterday or all the things that might have happened, now we're aware of these things. Therefore, we can take care of ourselves. And I love when you said, you know, instead of going through those habits that could be detrimental for us, now we have that awareness. We can actually notice what's happening and maybe even notice my thinking because I'm so aware now I can see that my thoughts are caught. Oh, I just went to the future. Let me come back. Oh, my mind was just in the past. Let me come back. And this could even apply to moments in which um, we are, activated by a conversation or activated by something that might have happened that really resembles our past for some reason. And that can cause a lot of also anxiety and times of really, um, you know, deep um, sorrow or strong emotions. So, but just by recognizing 
what is happening, we're able now to do something that, you know, as you were saying, Harsha, to just really take care of ourselves, to kind of come back and say, well, what do I need right now? And ultimately, that's always a question. What do I need right now? You know, and it could be that at that moment, I need connection. You know, what would be helpful? Maybe call a friend, right? Um, it could be that I need to talk to somebody I trust, you know, maybe an older person or, or a mentor. Oh, maybe I'll talk to my mentor. But see, now that we have awareness of what's happening, and this is the beauty of, of mindfulness meditation, is that we become so aware that we can attend to our needs. So talking about that impulse control again, and what you were mentioning, Harsha, you were saying, um, yeah, instead of uh, going for all these things that are unhelpful, now I'm going to have that awareness to know that maybe, you know, I would just say for me, maybe eating that box of chocolate is not really that great for me right now. What else can I do? But I have that awareness to kind of notice my habit and kind of make a decision. So it opens up a world of possibility. Now is possible. I have a choice. When we don't have awareness, we don't have a choice. We're just caught in whatever it is that's happening in our minds and, and whatever turmoil uh, life is bringing to us. But when we have awareness, we, there's possibility. Now there's choices. Now there's things. I can see things a little differently. And that could be really helpful as far as our mental health and as far as coming back to our um, stability. So... Yeah, so I would, you know, in particular, sit here and say, you know, mindfulness meditation is going to take away, you know, all mental um, problems that we might, or, or diagnosis or things that we might have. But it definitely is a great complement into taking care of ourselves. It can definitely take you that step further from whatever else you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we end the podcast, I had one last question about sort of your experience as a mindfulness coach. Um, have there been any like interesting or um, I guess, um, yeah, just interesting experiences or interactions that you've had with your clients that you maybe want to talk about? Um, define a little bit more interesting for me. Sure. Um, <laughs> maybe just like, uh, was there like, yeah, like, was there like maybe a specific client that sort of had like their mindset sort of like revolutionized in terms of how they think about certain things? or um, react to certain things because they become more mindful um, or more like aware of their surroundings? Yeah, absolutely. So part of, um, part of what I do during coaching is um, I really, it's my, it's my um, purpose to really bring people back to the moment. And so one of the things, and I could say, you know, that, that clients experience quite a bit is the fact that when they're, they can identify when the mind is taking them away and change that. So habit changing, somebody, for instance, that used to, um, um, you know, we use the same example just for the sake of the conversation, but maybe somebody that used to always cope as um, eating too much or, you know, like eating too much candy, or, or it could even be, this is really interesting. It could even be things that we consider beneficial such as I'm a runner. So I, I was working with an athlete once and he would just, every time he was stressed, he would go and run and really run for his life. And what would happen is that eventually he would start to break up his body because he would run so much. He couldn't, you know, it was a way for him. It was an outlet, but it was again, an outlet that was no longer beneficial in that sense, because now he was losing touch with his body and overworking his body. 
And so for him to be able to see that even something that he considered, oh, this is this is what I do is super healthy, I'm running. But really it wasn't because he had been so um, detached from his body that he was thinking that even the running was getting, you know, even the running was going to be, that was going to be beneficial was actually getting on the way because when he actually had to run that race, his body would be broken because he stressed so much about, about the race that he broke his body way before even started. So he would keep falling into this habit constantly into this pattern of just over, always overdoing it right before a race because he was so um, stressed about winning. So being able to shift that and being able for him to be, to notice what was happening for him in the moment, he started noticing that there were other things that he could be doing. So the main question always is when we have a habit that is taking over that might be unhelpful, it's like, what is this really doing for me? Right. And so when I asked him that question, you know, what is the running really doing for you? He said, well, it takes my mind off things. And it makes sense that he was, you know, an athlete, a really good runner. He won a lot of medals and everything, but that had been an outlet for him at the same way. So it was working for him and against him. Once he saw that, once he noticed that the running was really taking things away, that was actually was the adrenaline that he was getting, he could actually find other ways to, you know, to cope with that. So then we started working on well, what else can we do? You know, that doesn't break your body, that doesn't hurt you. And that's always the idea that when we're present, we're able to do these things, we're able to see, okay, what is this doing for me? We have that awareness to know, what am I getting out of this activity? What am I getting out of this? You know, and for me, I was saying, you know, like the chocolate, what am I getting? For me, it's just that I don't want to rest. And so it keeps me up. Oh, well, maybe I do need to rest. It's that simple sometimes. Maybe I do need to take a little 20 minute nap here and there. So again, it's that awareness that allows us to carry, um, carry over whatever we're doing, but in a much healthier way and take care of ourselves in a way that is needed for us, that it really feels right for us at the moment. So does that make sense? Yeah, I think that self-awareness that comes from mindfulness is one of the keystones to live a more fulfilling life. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Really well said, Harsha. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Um, it was very helpful. And I'm sure um, the kids at our school are going to love hearing this. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. Thank you both for having me. Yeah. Pleasure to make, have met you and talked to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, This is the end of our podcast, but we're going to leave a link to your website and um, your resource in case people want to know more. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Bye.